I don't know how many times I've heard like, well, you don't eat carbs, right? And I'm like, motherfucker, I literally eat 600 grams of carbs a day. And they're like, what? What? And I'm like, I, I unfortunately, I have a fast metabolism. <laughs> and so, like, even at 37 years old, like, it's still, like, hard for me to gain weight. So That's awesome. Dude, fucking 600 grams of carbs. We love that. I'm, I'm going to make that. 600 grams of carbs a day. I'm going to make that the intro. Like, that's just going to be, that's just going to start. Like, you hit play. It's 600 <laughs> grams of carbs a day. <laughs> yeah. I'm Josh Noble. You're listening to the Talk Carby To Me podcast. Yeah. So, um, did you see that f- updated food compass thing that got sent around? I heard about it. Um, I didn't really dive into it. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I didn't see it for myself. So I choose, I'm not choosing to believe one side or the other. What can you expand on that for me? Yeah. So, what did I say? I saw who posted it. Like Joe Rogan posted it. A couple other fitness accounts posted it. Yeah. Uh, basically, Tufts University made like this food compass. And from the looks of the chart, you've got uh, all these foods on it. And I'll go through some of them. Uh, but it's like it's a scale from zero to 100. Zero is least recommended. Uh, 100 is the top recommended. Um, and like it got, it got like some crazy reactions to it, right? So when you look at like the top five foods... Right, so we're looking scores between 82 to 100, right? 100 being what you want to recommend, right? Kale's at 100. Watermelon is 99. Orange juice with calcium is 87. Frosted mini wheats is 83. Unsweetened almond milk is at an 82. Uh, going further down, you got frozen yogurt, sweet potato fries, chocolate covered almonds, honey nut Cheerios, and dates, right? So those are all like the 70s and up, mm-hmm. right? So that's like your green kind of category as they categorize it here. And then you've got the middle grounds. You've got egg substitute, fried in vegetable oil. Uh, segue, how do you make eggs? Um, I generally just sunny side up, maybe scrambled. It just, do, like, do you just like, I'm, do you just, do you hit them on the pan? Like, do you put something in the pan with the eggs? As far as like a fat. Like Pam, like, like Pam or like, something? Is it is it Pam? Is it oil? Is it butter? Like... I just use Pam generally. Yeah, I usually throw butter. I've heard some people um, doing like nutrition consultations stuff like that use oil, and I'm just like, I, I, that one never, never kind of gets me. I guess the Pam spray kind of might be in the oil category, but I mean, but it's a lot less, you know. Or like if I don't have Pam, I'll put like olive oil on like a, a paper towel or rag, and I'll swirl it around. That's a pretty good idea. I like that. Uh, so this middle middle category, right? So egg substitute, fried and vegetable oil, sweet potato chips, uh, millet, whole wheat bread, skinless chicken breast is at a 59, likely to recommend, followed by Lucky Charms with a score of 56, then canned pineapple and heavy syrup, a boiled or a poached egg, whole milk, and almond M&Ms coming at 40 and 46, non-fat mozzarella cheese, ice cream cone with nuts, Right, so that's so though all those there are your middle range. That's between thirty-two and sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. Then, then you have whole fried egg and butter, cheddar cheese, and ground beef. Ground beef is the last thing on this list. Um, so you're putting three cereals that are just straight sugar. Granted, they might have some fiber elements to it over ground beef. And that's the right. entire that's the entire ground beef category. So we're talking your ninety six four, your ninety seven three. We're talking your eighty twenty. 
which is yeah. insane. So if, you know, uh, from what you said, that seems like it's trash, right? But I've also heard, again, no, I, the reason I didn't, I, I haven't verified this for myself, but I've also heard that the way it's put out is very misrepresented. Like that's not how it's supposed to be at all. So it's like, in no way at all in the real studies are um, like Lucky Charms above ground beef and stuff. I can, maybe once uh, we get off this, I can try to find the other side to that and send it to you and see if you can verify it or not. The perks of having dual monitors is I can look this up right now. Oh um, yeah. The, uh, but it's absolutely insane, right? So like, if you think about it, that's the, I was wondering the same thing when I saw it, like what scale are you measuring this by? Like, yeah. And I don't want to quote what I heard, but it's like, there's definitely a complete other side to this where basically a guy was like, this, this is basically very irresponsible for someone to push this out with a massive uh, platform. So. Yeah. So it says the food compass is a novel food rating system developed by researchers at Tufts university by evaluating foods across nine domains and using a unique algorithm to determine a score. We can assign a food compass score between one and a hundred with 100 being the most helpful to nearly any food. That is absolute madness. Um, I also, I did see that, um, cause obviously lucky charms. I mean, if I was lucky charms, I'm running with this shit. Like I'm running straight to the bank with this. Like, we're, <laughs> right. we're, doing, we're doing promos. Right, right. We got LeBron James on the box. Um, right. but yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely insane. So I've seen that like the lucky charm stuff is it's out. It's false that it's not obviously related to, uh, it's not healthier than steak or ground beef <laughs> per se, but, um, yeah. It, it's, it's dangerous stuff. to have that information even remotely out there, though, because there will be people that take that and, you know, look at this post. Therefore, I'm right. You know? Yeah. The fascinating thing, too, is like especially with foods and nutrition, I, th I think for us as as fitness professionals, like we forget that, like, we're exposed to this stuff constantly. Like we dabble, like if we're going to recommend diets or workouts and stuff like that, like we a lot of us will, you know, we're going to test the shit ourselves to make sure we can do it so that way we have understanding of it and we can kind of explain it. And you look at um, some of these things and it's just, it's just wild. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that just comes, a lot of that comes down to people just like wanting that quick fix rather than just using kind of common sense. And, you know, I do take for granted that we probably know more than a lot more people, but like, for example, at, you know, my day job, they, I have people come up to me all the time and talk to me about like how healthy is this and what should my diet be? And it's just like, I'm just like, what do you think it should be? And then I let them answer it and they tell me all the right answers. And it's like, see, like, you know, you just have to do it. Like, Yeah. It's, it's one of those, th know? it's one of those things where like everyone knows kind of what's healthy. Yeah. Um, we have, we, we understand that if we, if we were to eat Doritos all day, Right. That's going to lead to a certain physical appearance that we might not be happy with, where we might that might lead us to feeling a certain way. We know that vegetables are better for you than junk food um, or what we would classify as junk food and whatnot. Um, and you see in action just the like there, there's tons of misinformation. I mean, I, I met with a client. Um, I met with a client not too long ago and 
she was told that bananas were bad for you. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah, you you hear you hear. I've t I've talked about this particular thing maybe like four times, you know, throughout the course of the podcast. The red meat thing, right? right. So red meat, pe red meat being bad for you, but that was just debunked by a study. Um, as far as like the link as, as it pertains to different types of cancer, diabetes, cholesterol, heart disease, and stuff like that. Um, and you, everywhere you go, there's something that like, oh, it's like, oh, don't eat vegetables. They're bad for you. Or don't eat meat because it's bad for you. Or, or honey nut Cheerios. Or, or like on the flip side of your uh, banana comment, like there's, there. remember, I don't know if you remember, this was like 10 years ago, maybe less, but it was like the banana diet where you literally only eat bananas. <laughs> and it's like, Which, that sounds awful, one. But like, yeah. man. Like I, I might, I might be able to do that. Like I love banana. I eat a lot of bananas. Um, I'm not sure if it's related to the fact that like lately I've become obsessed with monkeys. Like I want like, <laughs> like, like I want like a pet monkey. Like it's to the point where my, my Instagram algorithm is gym stuff, sports betting stuff, and just straight up monkeys. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like an insane idea. And a lot of people, every time I bring it up to someone, they're like, you're fucking crazy. Like, like you can't have a monkey, but if you get a little monkey, maybe he grows to like a foot tall. Like I can't get a chimpanzee, obviously, even right. if the chimpanzee is cool, because there might come a day where the chimpanzee, like I'm just chilling, I'm doing something, watching TV, watching the game and the chimpanzee just beats the shit out of me. And I don't really have, you know, I, I can throw hands a little bit, but I'm not really going to keep up with the You're not winning that. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. You, you see it all the time. Like some people get destroyed by chimpanzees, but like a little baby monkey, like the, the spider monkey in Pirates of the Caribbean, just hanging out. Like I knew somebody that. I knew somebody that had a little monkey back home. I don't know if it was legal or not, but they had one. <laughs> what back in back in what Iowa? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Like, how do you even get? Like, how do you acquire a pet monkey? Like, you got to catch it yourself. Like, um, is... I'm sure there's ways, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So, welcome to the Top Carby to Me podcast. Uh, my guest today is Josh Noble. Uh, he is a powerlifter trainer dabbles in nutrition as well um so today we're going to talk about some things we're going to dive into you know the sport of powerlifting. Uh, obviously it's very different than what you've heard me explain i'm more i would categorize myself more as like a movement specialist and more of a, a body composition kind of kind of niche uh josh is a little bit more into uh powerlifting and stuff like that so uh, we'll definitely pick his brain on a couple things we'll talk about nutrition how that plays a role um so like, first off, like what got you into like powerlifting as like, your kind of like your thing personally. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, you're welcome. Long overdue. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you keep seeing me messing with my earbuds, it's cause they keep trying to fall out on me. I had to get, use these at the last second. So, uh, if I drop one and I disappear, that's my bad, but it's okay. I'm wearing neon um, glowing headsets right now. So like, <laughs> well, I have one of those, but I was like, that shit might be too big, but yeah. Um, but anyway, so I got into the powerlifting really through, so I lifted pretty much from, you know, your high school days. I played a little bit of college ball and then, um, football and then, uh, got into the CrossFit for a little bit. And then I was just lifting to lift, um, played a little bit of, um, semi-pro football and our strength conditioning coach, uh, it was at a powerlifting gym and at the time I was actually going to school like to just get my like PT cert and um I was like hey 
I was working a factory job. It was trash. Um, put myself there. And one day I was just like, Hey man, I got to get myself out of this shit. So, um, uh, basically I went, so I went and got the PT cert and I let him know, I was like, Hey, um, anytime you need somebody, like, let me know. So I could, you know, quit my factory job while I was playing football. And so I, he called me one day was like, Hey man, you know, I got enough clients for you. Da, da, da. So long story short, I wasn't into powerlifting. There was a powerlifting gym, but then I stopped playing football. Um, primarily because it was just like, I, we'd have games on, um, Saturdays and then, you know, I'm still banged up on Mondays when I walk into the gym to try and train people and, you know, I can't bend over, I'm limping everywhere. And, uh, so I stopped playing football. I played three years of that. And then, um, I wanted to compete. And, um, so I was like, well, what am I going to compete in? You know, dabbled, like thought about like between like boxing or something else, but it was like, I want to stick in the strength sports. So lo and behold, uh, we entered, I asked all my clients, I was like, do you guys want to do a powerlifting meet? And, um, at, at first they were reluctant. I was like, you know, I'm gonna have to do my homework too. And, uh, the first meet we did was in Chicago and it was, um, it was 132 people, massive meet, five platforms. And, uh, I had 11 clients competing and then including myself competing for the first time. So it was, a, it was a rush the first time. And, um, but basically the main driver behind it all was just wanting to compete in something. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, powerlifting is pretty objective. So either, you know, you lift the weight or you don't. And so you could objectively measure if you're getting stronger. So, um, yeah. that was probably 2015, 2014, something like that. I don't remember. And that's something that's, I appreciate that. That's what I appreciate about powerlifting. So me personally, it's not my style. Um, it doesn't interest me in that regard. Uh, I'm more, I more tend to lean towards endurance pursuits, uh, for my mm -hmm. competition fix. Uh, but I think there's something to competition in human psychology that changes from when we're children to as we age and have the impact that it has on our lifestyle. And also like the way that we look at like society now, where some might say society now is a little bit softer and stuff like that. And uh, I think a part of it goes into competition, right? It's that human instinct to kind of compete. Like if you look at anything in in the animal kingdom, right? There's this competition for food. That's you're fighting scarcity. You're fighting, you know, mm -hmm. if if you're, you know, say the animals, you're fighting for the best mate. And obviously, you know, you look at how society's evolved over the years. I mean, technically, there is this hierarchy in in finding a mate and stuff like that. But um, when you look at like I mean, back when, you know, when we were coming up, right, you were playing sports and stuff like that, right? We didn't have as many participation ribbons. We didn't have as many, you know, seventh place trophies and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I think eventually, and very similar to you, like when you're playing college ball, like me, um, I stopped in high school. But after high school, I didn't really compete at anything. Like there was nothing, like I, I didn't have anything that kind of like triggered that desire to attempt to do something and then come short and realize that, okay, how do I progress from here or what's that next level look like? Um, and you end up kind of, I ended up for years, I ended up in this little kind of space where I was just kind of chasing nothing. Um, and I think that plays like a massive role in like how we go. And so I ended up going into retail business and stuff like that. <clears throat> and one of the things for me, like we had scorecards again and I was like, Oh shit, there's a scoreboard again, or 
I'm ranked against yeah. other people in the company. And like it lights that fire again, it lights that passion and stuff like that. And for some people like us are now there, you know, it's our, it's fitness pursuits and stuff like that for that, for that competition factor. Um, and other people, it might be in their business life and their daily life. They're trying to get that promotion or they're, you know, their wall street guy, they're trying to get X returns or anything like that. And yeah. I think that plays a massive role. And I think, I, I, do you think, so like when we talk about powerlifting and stuff like that, do you think that's one of the main draws that gets people into the powerlifting sport? Oh, definitely, man. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I would say that I would say 99% of the drivers just like people want to compete and it's not just like against your peers, even though that's part of it, it's mainly against yourself. And like, I have this, when I talk to people who don't really know too much about powerlifting, they might know like you squat bench and deadlift, but it's like, for example, like if I go to, um, so I just competed like two, two or three weeks ago and people at my job, they were like, you know, did you win? And I was like, well, I did win, but I didn't do as good as what I wanted to. So it's like you, you, I placed, I've got first place, but my total was like 50 kilos lower than my best total. So it's like, you know, your placing really just depends on who shows up that day. You know, like yeah. I, my best total ever, I got uh, a few years ago and, um, but I got like 20th place cause it was a national meet, you know, it was the, the best lifters really in the world. And, um, um, so like I would take 20th place and, and get a, a significantly better total over getting this, you know, first place bullshit, basically, like you said, like a participation trophy almost and get, you know, you get a first place, but your total's lower. So it's like, did you actually do better? Like, no, you didn't yeah. <laughs> like objectively you did not. You know? Yeah. It kind of, le- kind of leaves that, that seed of doubt. Like what if, what if Greg from Mississippi had showed up, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's totally like the, the competition though, I say for, as far as power lifters go, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty intense, man. It's, it's awesome though. I, I love it. And, um, you know, it's just like the, the objectivity, you know, and then there's different strategies too. Cause you know, you get older and you just can't, you got to really kind of think about your training rather than, uh, just being able to throw weight on the bar because you know you're 22 years old and you can you know look at the weight and make progress yeah so so when we look at when we look at like the different disciplines right so you have like you know your general fitness population like your gen pop you've got your crossfit crossfit which has crossfit that's funny uh crossfit which has CrossFit, which has, um, you know, they've got that like super tribe mentality, like dialed in. Um, then you have like that powerlifting community. You obviously have the bodybuilding community and, and stuff like that. What do you what do you think it is about like powerlifting that might draw someone specifically towards that sport version of fitness? Um, and like, how does that differ from like, I'm a new client. I have I'm a new beginner. I come to you and I'm like, hey, I just want to lose like ten pounds, but I want to be really strong and stuff like that. And like. Like, take me through, like, what that looks like for you. Um, Well, like, the first part of your question, how they differ, I don't, I think that there's more, a lot more similarities than differences. Um, But, like, some of the the differences are, like, the the objective weight going up. Like, rather than, like, you know, you said you're you're general, like, just, like, let me go to the gym type people. I want to look good. Like, yeah, like, you... 
I mean, I guess in a way you can be objective with that, with like measurements and stuff like that. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I just, I st- I'm struggling to think of like the major differences because it's like the, the, the real, the people who are in powerlifting to compete, like I said, most of them are there to compete. Like, they, yeah, you want to win. Like, that's cool and all, but most of them are there to, to max. Like, let me see how far I can push myself. And even like your like real hardcore um, regular gym goers, you know, I, I, I work out with some people that they don't compete at all, but they are in, they are in the gym busting their ass because they're in competition with themselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, you, you know, every, every uh, discipline or sport, you know, you have your, your hardcore people um, and you have your lazy people, you know, just because people are powerlifters doesn't mean that like they're all competitive, like with themselves sometimes, you know, I know, I know people who, who I, I know they have more potential in them, but they're just not willing to give the effort. Um, and, and then, so uh, what was the last part of your question? And as far as like, so like if, if someone comes to you and they're like, powerlifting seems oh, yeah, interesting yeah. but then you got like the bodybuilding world and like what like what does that process look like becoming either a power so, or... really it's it's not too much of a difference it's just like it comes you know the calorie intake you know and what you expend and stuff means a lot more it's more like if somebody's like hey i want to power lift and i want to lose 10 pounds i'm like cool well we're gonna power lift and we're gonna cut calories if someone's like hey i like bodybuilding i want to lose 10 pounds i'm like cool well we'll write you a bodybuilding program and you're, we'll put you in a deficit. It's like, it's like this, the, the style of training you like plus the deficit or the bulk or whatever the goal is. It's not really, it's not like I say, Oh, you're um, you want to lose weight. You can't power lift. That's, that's not it at all. You know, I have, I've had plenty of people like make tremendous strength gains while in a deficit, you know, like the further on in your career you get, the harder that is for sure. And the bigger deficit you know, it's harder, but like if someone's brand new and they're overweight or not even overweight, maybe just like, well, I guess like overweight, over fat, and they want to lose weight, but they want to get stronger. It's, it's definitely in the cards as long with the caveat is that they're training, you know, decently hard, you know? Yeah. I've had, I, I, I've had a couple clients that they've lost like 45 pounds and all of their one RMs went up, you know, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's like, but it's like, you know, it's the the hard work. It's like, you got to be thoughtful and just consistency. You know, a, a lot of the fitness industry, the sayings are cliche, but they're real as long as you believe in them, you know, and you're actually doing them. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, there's so many cliches. Um, and the funny thing is they're all rooted in some form of they're like, you know, 10 different versions of one, like really solid, like foundational thing that was said, you know, back in the day and like carried on and, the, and you see it morph and stuff like that. Um, the, uh, as far as like, so when we talk about like strength, obviously, right. So strength is going to like strength training is going to be anything, right. You go pick something up heavy, you're kind of strength training, right. But when you get like super specific, right. And let's say you have an athlete that's going to compete and, and things like that, like, how does that process look with with the exercises required for like a powerlifting meet, right? And like like we from their starting point, like how do you get to? And obviously, progressive overload is going to play a role in that. Uh, but like, what's that method look like? Uh, if I say I'm looking, I'm looking to compete and I want to win first place, or you know, 
being top three and stuff like that? Like, well, so first off, I like, I, you know, it's okay. I tell all my clients, like, it's okay. It's like, I encourage you to have like number goals, but don't get married to them, you know? Um, you know, just especially like with when you put a time constraint on something, like if you were now, if you were a little bit more broad and you said, Hey, I want to say you squat 400 pounds now. And you're like, Hey, by the time I'm done powerlifting in 10 years, I want to squat 500 pounds. You know, I'd be like, all right, you know, like that, that might be able to happen depending on, you know, where you're at is how much can we keep you healthy and whatnot. But, um, more than anything, like, so depends on how long I've been working with the person. So I've had, um, I've had a client that I've been training for like, well, it's probably like eight or nine years now, something like that. And she just did her, she just competed last fall and she's uh, a single mother of three, um, PR'd all her lifts. It's, but I, we have such a good rapport and I have uh, so much like training data on her that I, I know what she responds to. So like she responds to something different than like a protocol I would respond to. So the more I know about the person, the more I ha I know this, this is what makes you stronger. So we're going to do this leading into a meet because so say like a traditional powerlifting cycle, I would say like, it'd be like your hypertrophy, your strength and a peak block. Um, but say you, you do, you do, you run those three in that sequence and then you get to that peak block, but you're continuously noticing like you're not getting stronger. You almost like decline. But during that, like the strength phase, like your estimated one rep max is like training up, training up, training up. Then it's like, well, why not use that going into a meet rather than your peak block? So. Um, so, yeah, the more the more information I have on somebody, the more we can. Uh, we really dial in on like this is we know that this is what makes x person stronger so that's what we're going to lead into it and we know uh this is like their second best block leading into it so we'll do that two blocks out and the block might matter you know it depends on person to person again you, i have people that peak in like three weeks and i have people that peak in like seven to eight weeks again that's like um it takes a lot of time a lot of trial and error but um most people though i will re say respond to like once it gets closer to the meat you you up the intense or load on the bar and then you drop the volume i would say a lot of people do well with that but not everybody does so i when i write my programs i do it's like as custom to the t as possible and that's when I, we first start working together especially if i know that they're going to compete i i lay out the process like look we're we're going to Put out some general a general program that i believe will work for your goals and with your time constraint and equipment and previous injuries and all that stuff and then we'll adjust as needed um and then you know sometimes like that first program it's like oh shit, like we're balling right now and then sometimes it's like okay well maybe this lift is doing well but these two aren't doing well you know it's just it's a lot of trial and error it's um you got to pay attention, you know, it's, and especially like if a person, you know, I'm taking a lot, I take a lot out of um, RTS, which is reactive training systems. And more specific, his, uh, the owner of that, Mike to share, you know, he's like colored outside the box for so long. And like, uh, 
came up with his own style slash say says like hey we don't have to do it like this you know like just because logically this makes sense doesn't mean that in real life it's going to work you know because you know we could make the best program in the world uh on paper but then we put it to to work and you don't respond well to it and it's like well you should because it's a peak block and it's like well it you know it doesn't work like that all the time you know unfortunately um but over time you know i would say if i get a, a good like six months to a year in like we generally get a pretty good idea of um who can handle what volume and intensity you know with those two mixed and then like the frequency um we get it nailed down pretty well and then it's just about you know like people change over time so it's like if this worked for you this time it doesn't mean that it'll work for you next time however uh until we know that it's not going to work for you we'll probably run that again at some point um not sure if that answered your question at all no, it really does. <clears throat> I think one of the things too that you're talking about, like with programming and stuff like that. So you talked about hypertrophy phase, strength phase, uh, peak phase, right? So when you get hypertrophy, obviously that's the increase in muscle mass to your body um, and you're training to get that kind of, that's the the end result that you're looking to get um, out of that part. And then you have your strength phase. Um, and when you say peak, that's like, you're looking at like, what's my, what could my top lift be, right? Well, yeah, it's more, that's when you're fo focusing more like in a traditional peak of like, uh, like you're going to put a little bit more taxing on your, your central fatigue or your, your CNS rather than your, your peripheral fatigue. And so that's again, generally, like if you were to like type in Google, like powerlifting program, that's what you would get is like, you would have like toward more towards probably 85, 88 plus percent. Uh, for doubles, singles, maybe some triples for your peak block. But yeah, it's just really like to, to, to challenge your central nervous system. So you you get like more adapted to these heavy loads and prepared for that. Yeah. The, so it's good that you mentioned Google and like, literally like, that's one of the things that got me to actually start a podcast. Um, looking at like every, all the information is available at this point in the game. Uh, if you Google anything, if you Google, I want my butt to look like Nicki Minaj's butt, right? You, someone out there has written a plan specifically for right, that. Right, right. Um, someone has written a plan to bring your bench from 100 pounds to 150 or, you know, 200 to 225, something like that. Um, and I was doing nutrition workshops at the gym, Globo gym, as I like to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. And it kind of didn't pan out. And I'm like, well, taking an hour and you got, you know, maybe 10 people come in, four people show up on time. You got to hunt down the other four. You got to send out text messages and it just became really annoying. Um, and then, so that I obviously left there and that led into starting my fitness business and going in and thinking, okay, well, I can do like a zoom call kind of workshop and kind of like a clubhouse type vibe. And then I'm like, How do, am I really charging for this? And then it, it's, there's a, there's a transaction there. And now I'm transacting, you know, 20 times trying to get someone in there. And I was just like, fuck it. Everything's out here for free. Like, mm -hmm. let me just find a way to give good, reasonable quality information to at least get people started and stuff like that. And that kind of led me down the podcast route. And here we are. So when you look at going to the gym, trying to get stronger, trying to make things happen, there's like a hundred different methods that you see people preach and stuff like that. 
Uh, and I, I'm always a big believer, you know, there's more than one ways to skin a cat, right? And the cat right. still gets skinned. Um, what do you think are some of your most effective principles that you could say that if you were giving advice to someone just getting started out and trying to get stronger that usually that you've seen usually work? Well, like, you know, like for me, when I have like a person come in, I haven't thought of intake form, which is your general questions like, uh, how long have you been training? What equipment do you have available? Um, how long, how many days per week, how long in those days per week, previous injuries, current injuries, stuff like that. Um, and then obviously most importantly, the goal. Um, but I would say like for powerlifting, one, I would say like people, I, it's become way more prevalent now, but um, I still hear about people not using auto regulation. Um, and I think that they're really, like either like letting themselves overdo it or like undershoot for their potential for, for that particular training session. So whether that's and like auto regulation by go ahead. When you say auto regulation, like, what do you, what do you mean there? So, yeah. yeah. So like uh, RPE rate of perceived exertion or yeah. RIR reps in reserve. So, um, so you're not like going balls to the wall every day, you know, you're lifting, the right amount of weight, the right amount of times for the right amount of sets, you know? So it's like it, people kind of get a little scared of it. Um, for people who don't know, like RPE is generally out of a one to 10 scale. Um, most of the time it, we just use six to 10, maybe five to 10. Sometimes it's just those get hard to judge. So basically um, any rep at a 10 would be a max out. So if a, a one, one at a 10 would be like the most rip weight you could lift for one rep, a five at a 10 would be the most weight you could lift for five reps um, and so forth. And then you knock it back and you'd say like uh, a single, so one rep at a nine would mean you have one rep left in the tank. A single at an eight means two reps left in the tank. And you know, it is subjective. Um, and it's basically the same thing with RIR reps and reserve you just how many more do you have left in the tank and um it's subjective but it, i think it, it it's um what i've heard the best way i've heard it described is like it's it's a better it's a more effective way of communication rather than saying like that was hard or that was easy you say like that was a nine rpe so okay i know that it was about one rep left in the tank you know because even though that's subjective like saying that was easy is extremely subjective. So when people don't use auto regulation again, like I get like the being nervous, but it, you know, you, you have so much autonomy for say um, you're having a really shitty day and you go in and lift, but the piece of paper says you were supposed to lift a hundred pounds, but your last warmups 90, 90 pounds and it barely moved like auto regulation you know, a lot of auto regulation, AKA common sense, um, auto regulation will tell you, you know, don't do this like downshift. Yeah. But on the flip side to that though, it's, um, it lets you take advantage of good days as well. So like you, you say you come in and, um, you're feeling really good. And the piece of paper says lift a hundred pounds and you, you get to your last warm up and you're like, Oh my gosh, that was way easier. Let me try one Oh five, you know? And then, so you like, you, you exceed your goal for the day or your, um, 
even more so it's like we say like you know base this around uh performance instead of feeling so it's like say you come in shitty this has happened to me numerous times where you come in shitty feeling like garbage and you you record your lifts because that's generally the best way to um, gauge your rpe that or um, a velocity reader but um you're feeling like trash you come in and then the the lift to you seems like it moved like shit, but you watched that video and it you smoked it. So then it's like, okay, let me add some weight to the bar then. You know, it kind of gives you that bump. So, you know, you're you're actually lifting what you should for that day. So it's lift to lift, session session to session. So yeah. using that the auto regulation and then generally like my programs, now if, again, if if this was a brand new person who's never lifted, I, you know, I'd probably say like say they want to lift three times a week, I probably have them squat twice, deadlift once and a a horizontal press twice and a vertical press once, unless their shoulders couldn't handle it. But if it was like a seasoned person, like I lean towards the higher frequency. Um, so like, um, benching, say you have a four day program, we probably bench every day, um, squat, twice a week with the, and then on that third, a third day, having like a quad specific movement and deadlifting twice a week with some, and then some upper back stuff. I, I generally don't program too many accessories, like traditional accessories, unless, um, someone asks for it. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a good time. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, right? So we have the RIR, right? The reps in reserve, right? How many do you have left in the tank? Use the RPE. Um, I think one of the things that kind of gets people a lot of uh, confused a lot of you see a lot of see a lot of trainers out there promoted and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you got to do time under tension, right? That's the most important indicator of like how strong you're going to get. Oh, it's got to be you got to train to failure every set because that's the thing that's going to make you stronger. It's got to be um, what else is got to be blood flow restriction because that's the only way that you're going to be able to do it. Um, you got to do this ice bath. There's like all these things. And like personally, so like the way you just talked about it, like some kind of horizontal push and things like that. Right. So my training style, what it's evolved into. Um, I usually, if I got a new person, we're just going to focus on like the shapes and the movement patterns, right? So do you have access to do something that looks like a squat? Great. If not, right. then we obviously we need to create that. Can you horizontally press? Great. If you can't, why not? Let's fix that. Let's create space for your body to, to, to move throughout um, mm-hmm. your area. Right. And then obviously, you know, what can you do vertically and, and, and stuff like that. And then once you kind of have that pattern in, once you kind of have that pattern and um, I'll start to make things a little bit heavier. And one of the things that I like to do with beginners only is I'll have them move out of uh, at a tempo where it looks like if they were to be underwater, right? That's how the bar is moving. So there's, and a lot of it, it looks like, Oh, I got to go slow or something like that. And obviously, you know, there, there is some, 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 programs out there that'll have you do a focus on a big eccentric part. For me, it's not really for that. For me, it's like, I want you to move through this pattern with control, right? You're moving mm-hmm. it up, you're moving it down, you overcome gravity, you yield to it. So you understand at each point in the movement that like you're in control, you understand how to move and what happens and changes as your body goes to that shape. Um, of those of, of what I was talking about, and obviously of oh, so progressive overload would be the other, the other obvious one and things like that, right? So time and retention, blood flow, all this stuff, like, kind of going through and sorting that out like do you what do you think is most effective as far as that or does it vary like on a case-to-case basis because obviously um 
like here's my perception of it, right? So for me, if I'm looking to get a little bit stronger, if I start moving shit slow and it's a little heavier, right? I know that I'm not going to get more as much out of that set because it's going to expend more energy as I'm trying to slow that bar down, right? So that might hinder me in certain in certain regard. And yes, you know, there's there's something to that control and stuff like that. But again, also there's part of it too where like just making the bar heavier will slow it down itself without me having to try it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in that kind of realm, like what, what are your thoughts on that as far as like what might be the bread and butter or what should be the bread and butter in a world where we have like just fucking flashy lights and Kardashians just giving you, hey, do this, that, and the third. Right. So I'm kind of glad. Well, I'm actually really glad that you kind of brought this up. Um, I think that if rarely, I won't want to say all the time because then it'll be like counter my argument. But rarely is there a time where if somebody says this is being an absolutist, are the, should you listen to them? Like, so if they said, like, for example, BFR is the only way to go. It's like you, you maybe hear them out, but like probably don't <laughs> listen to them. Um, if they said if someone said powerlifting is the only way to go, probably don't listen to them. Um, I don't think that there is one way that is like an absolute better way than others like from like we'll narrow it down to like powerlifting i have seen so many weird things move someone's one rep max like so many protocols like it some wild stuff um i you know i have people that they want to do xyz like because they seen it on instagram or whatever and it's like, all right, well, let me show you this training data. And it's like, it's not the most fancy protocols or like we're not lifting with bands and chains or whatever the hell else people do. And um, <laughs> it's like, but the goal for us is to move as much weight as possible. So rarely do I get pushback. Um, I'm saying like, like I, I will get very creative when people are like, quote unquote, off season training. If they're like, hey, I want to. I want to mix it up, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Um, well, I'll, I'll be like more than anything. Like, I think f- from like your standpoint, I think you'd agree with this. Like you got to have the buy-in. Right. So it's like, what do you want to do? Like, is there anything that you absolutely don't want to do? And then, so we, I generally start there and then it's like, you know, we tried for those like off season training blocks, we, we make it as fun as possible, but I do with the caveat, I tell people, Hey, like we can treat this as like an off season, but, or we could go up into like an exploratory block is what we call them. And like, say we can, let's try some weird shit and see if it moves your estimated one rep max. And, um, so like over this, was it over last fall? Well, it was the end of the summer last fall. I had a guy, um, I was like, hey, do you want to try some shit? He's like, hell yeah, let's get weird. And I was like, <laughs> just threw a bunch of AMRAMPs at him. And, but we'd hit like a, a benchmark set, meaning like a single, a double, or triple, like fairly heavy. And then uh, we threw, so basically protocols I've never used before. And I just thought like, hey man, this might, this might work. Let's see. And he was like, totally cool with it. And it did work. And it's not something I ever thought that I would, I was like, before his last meet, I was like, look, man, we can do this, but I want you to know, like, I've never, ever done this before for somebody running it into a meet. And, um, he went nine for nine and PR'd every single lift. So like, that's fucking awesome. um, 
Yeah, it is. So like, it's a long winded say way of saying like to, to answer your question is like, I don't think that there necessarily is one best way for everybody. I think it's like, you got to find, you got to find what works for you, man. Like, yeah. It's like, it's like people don't want to hear that. Like, well, it depends phrase, but it really does. You know, if sure, like templates and stuff like that, there are a lot of great ones out there, but like when it comes down to it, it's like, what are your goals? What works best for you? Yeah. Would you say, so when you look at the power lifting world specifically, would you say there's a body type specifically that might be conducive to someone doing very well in powerlifting? Or is that more so something that, you know, a case by case thing or. Uh, I, the only way I would. Cause you hear a lot. And one, one of the reasons I asked this, right. So, um, I, I follow a couple trainers and PTs and stuff like that. And they have theories on, uh, thorax shape and size and pressurization, um, of your, your kind of your torso, um, which actually, I mean, there, there's some sense to it and there's some practical applications to it too. Uh, but also you have, um, you see like, you know, there's like a lot of big, thicker guys, you know, are powerlifting, but then you also have like women powerlifting and, and you have like skinnier guys powerlifting and like, like, like when you look at like LeBron James, for instance, like if we put LeBron James in a powerlifting meet, you know what I mean? As far versus if like, if you look at like the body type that not the performance in the person, but more so the body type that like Eddie Hall has and stuff like that. Um, when so, he was kind of doing his thing, like, like, is there, is there anything to that? Do you think, or? So I would say like generally the taller you are, that would probably be the biggest knock against you. Like, um, but other than that, man, like it's, I, the only thing I could say is like, what we've seen is generally the more muscular the people are. If you look at like the top lifters and the weight class, their weight classes, the more, the most muscular, the more muscular, not the most, because there are some fucking jacked ass people that just aren't as strong. Um, but generally the more muscular people are going to be your stronger people, even though it's a strength sport and not necessarily like a physique sport. Um, but then the taller people, they, that, that, that has a knock against them just because like your squat and your deadlift. Well, I mean, generally all three, because, you know, you're going to have to bench with longer arms. You're going to have to move the travel the bar farther for uh squat and deadlift. I mean, those two specifically, like, um, especially the squat, somebody who's like, I've seen people that are like six, nine in competitions and like it, they have a long way to travel with that weight to go down oh. and back up, you know? Oh Yeah. I was, uh, uh, last, not last summer, summer before I was training, uh, one of the Duke basketball players for the off season, um, mm -hmm. because the school had shut down and they had shut down like their summer gym because of the pandemic or some kind of regulation there. So in the off season, they had to go somewhere. So training him for a little bit, he was six, eight. Um, and one of the, one of the biggest things I noticed was the deadlift at his height was definitely something that was, uh, as far as getting him into like a, a good shape. Um, yeah where he had some good leverage was definitely a tricky thing. So obviously I had to make the bar a little bit taller, but that was one definite notice that I saw, uh, especially right. with the, with the taller guys. Yeah. And we have them. We, I just, took shit, the meet I just did a couple weeks ago, we, there was a guy, he was like six, six there, but I mean, you just accept it. You know, it's like, you can't really do shit about it. <laughs> like, and yeah. you're, you're choosing to be in a sport where you're at a disadvantage. So it's like, it is what it is. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I, I think there's also, I, I kind of like, like you were talking about, like with your exploratory blocks, I kind of like the pick and pop thing. Um, the thing that I like to play with 
uh, is power elements, right? So, and when I say power, I'm, ta uh, I'm talking more like, like speed, how fast things are moving, right? So, you mm -hmm. know, we'll have, you know, our, you know, we're just getting stronger. We're really locked in. Here's a good pattern. Now we're making it heavy. Um, and then occasionally I'll mix in a drill. I like to use medicine balls, like to do throws and stuff like that. But there's a couple throws that'll mimic the same shapes as like a hinge, right? So if you do an overhead slam and you're bending mostly at the hip, right, that's going to look just like your RDL deadlift. It's just a really fast one. Same thing with right. like a kettlebell swing. And I like to introduce some of those variables to shift, uh, to switch up that pattern and kind of see if that stimulus in a different way kind of gives them more feedback to a certain muscle group or like we were like, uh, I'll give you an example, like if we're doing uh, RDLs and like I really, really feel your glutes and stuff like that. And, you know, as they're going through their RDL, like maybe they can't feel it or they're not feeling it as much on the way up. But you go into a kettlebell swing and everyone's like, oh, my glutes are burning here. Right. So that that speed factor um, kind of plays a role. So I, I kind of like, you know, getting into that stuff there, mixing it. Um, and that's something that and sometimes you honestly, you do have to get a little weird. I think especially when like for us, like you could you could write me a program for 365 days and it could be the same exact thing as, and just like, Oh, I have to do, you know, five reps today, five reps today, but just up the weight 1% every single time. And I'll just follow it. Like, I'll be fine. I'm mm -hmm. good with it. Uh, I might have like maybe one or two days where I deviate and stuff like that. But um, for some people, like you go in and you're like, I want to have fun when I work out and, and stuff like that. And it's one of those things where it's like, I always tell people like, it's fitness isn't necessarily fun. Like, you might go in and maybe on half your days in a month, you might feel good as you're going, going through that workout. Like the end result feels good, right? But you're not going into every workout. You're not going to feel your best. You might be off. You might have an off day. You might have slept wrong. You might have got stuck at work. Something like that might have thrown you off. So a lot of people, like they get stuck in like the monotony and stuff like that. And the, the, the unfortunate thing is like that's usually what gets you the most result. Because it's like, okay, yeah. I've done exercise one. I've perfected exercise one and part of it, like there's a skill acquisition that goes along with it. So, you know, if we're, if you're mixing everything up constantly or too fast or you're bored after two weeks of a block and stuff like that, like it's really, it becomes like really, really hard to progress. So you kind of got to take those things with like a grain of salt and maybe you have, you know, one kind of exploration kind of thing. And I guess the person really matters, but that's one of the things that like, I've, I've had to like kind of teach people a little bit is like, Hey, some of this might be the exact same thing for two months. And then we might take like a week where we fuck around a little bit. But then we're going right back to what works. You know what I mean? And we're just going to make it just a little bit heavier, you know, and squeeze that progressive overload out of it. Um, I think a, a good way that I like to look at it, right? So I'm kind of a kind of a nerd. I play video games a lot. That's like that's like really the only time that I can turn my brain off, um, especially coming out of a corporate environment for the last couple of years. Um, actually, a couple corporate environment for like ever minus like a two year break which was the COVID year and the another year where I was, you know, in between training certifications and stuff like that. If you look at like a role-playing game, like, so let's use what's probably the most popular one. You look like, a, like the Pokemon video game. You start at the beginning and you got this, you, you, you're introduced to this end, end game state, right? Where the end game state is you're the best trainer in the world. Everyone knows Ash, Ketchum, and Pikachu, they set on their journey, right? So when you look at like progressing and progression, what it is like for the entire time you're playing the game, the game does not change. The only difference is when you go into area one, things are, you know, a little easier, right? And if you were to just stay at area one for the entire time that it would take you to go through the whole process, you wouldn't get anywhere, right? So you have to go to the area two, area two, things become a little bit tougher, right? And so on and so forth. And you kind of go through that progression towards your ultimate goal. And a lot of times, like, especially with you see the crazy shit on 
TikTok, you see it on Instagram, you see people trying to get go viral for clicks, for likes and things like that uh, and things like that. Um, I think a great example, uh, who is it? One of the Kardashians, I think it was Courtney. Courtney, maybe Chloe, don't quote me on that. I don't follow them too much. She posted a workout with her trainer and her trainer was just like, looked like the sloppiest trainer of all time. And she was doing fuck all. I don't know what the hell she, it looked like a training video from like 2001. She's like, oh, this is the best way to like do this, that, and the third. And it was just absolute trash. And anyone who has any understanding of movement patterns, you're like, what the hell? And when you kind of go back in, um, it's like they want that. Oh my God, this looks crazy. I saw this guy do that. And like, that doesn't actually work, but the guy did it for videos and the guy happens to be in shape because he has a, a pretty solid program. Oh, it's yeah. too boring to make a TikTok about or an Instagram reel about and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the things that are hindering folks and stuff like that. I, I think if you look at, like I actually stopped posting on Instagram as much for that reason. Uh, Cause literally I'll, I'll be sitting there and I'm like, like I, I've had the same upper body day for the last three months. Like, yeah, it's very, the weight is a little different and stuff like that, but I prefer to be a little bit more instructional. Uh, I'm not going to be out here like flexing abs, like showing booty pics and stuff like that, or like have like a booty pose or stuff like, Oh, look at my sick pump and stuff like I'm not that guy. And it's like, well, how many times do you want to see me do an upper body day and stuff like that? And um, I think when you look at, and obviously like I, I'll scroll through the gym reels and stuff like that and I'll see, you know, what are people doing? And sometimes you, you'll catch a gem, uh, you know, diamond in the rough. It's like, oh, that was actually pretty decent. I'll try that out. And other times you see like, there's just, just bombardment of like, just nonsense that people are doing. Yeah. It's all, it's, yeah, there's a lot of just, there's a lot of just stuff out there. That's just like, it's just about views. Like they just, they want to get paid or be famous or what. I don't know. I'm so far out of the loop on that shit. Like I almost gag every time I have to, every time I choose to post on Instagram, like it's, just, <laughs> it's so far outside of me, but it's like, but it, it, it's not all bad though. I mean, like for me, like I've, I've met um, so many people traveling or training and competing like throughout the country. And it's just a way to keep up, you know, like with people's lifts and shit like that. So it's, it can be good, but it's, you just gotta be careful. Like, you know, I'm sure you've had clients, like you kind of just like, pointed at or it's like well i've seen this this and this and it's like yeah i i literally i hate that so much oh my god that grinds my gears and i'm like uh just i was like just even if you don't believe me just trust me for one month and just do it my way for one month and we'll talk about it and if you're right and this this fucking this guy on instagram was right we'll just do we'll do it that way from then and i'll consider myself taught a lesson um (laughs) <laughs> and honestly, like with, with by by comparison, like not a lot of the stuff, like I, I, mean, I usually ends up there like, oh, you're you were right, or they'll go with like, oh, I met yeah. a chiropractor, and they told me this, and I was like, yeah, I tell you that every day, and they're like, I didn't believe you, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. So it's like it, it's it, it is it's weird because it's like, well, you're paying me, like what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's you, like, you're not paying this dude on Instagram or this chick on Instagram, and it's like, but you want to believe them because, like, you know, I guess it's because they have however many followers and so and a bunch of like uh likes on it or whatever it's just like so that gives it credibility yeah uh you would have appreciate you you would appreciate uh one of our earlier episodes we were talking about like things that we absolutely hate in the gym that need to die and my thing was exercise (laughs) with a bosu ball oh yeah you know, and, you know how I feel about those. <laughs> dude, so it got me thinking back when we worked together and we were talking about, uh, we, we turned the phrase that like the guy that invented it was Jeff Bosu, uh, like a play on Jeff Bezos. And dude, mm-hmm. you, 
the amount of exercises that happen with BOSU balls are wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes some certain things are so fucked up that like you become like kind of impressed and you're like, how the fuck did you even do that? Like, it's weird. Like you would never right. recommend like, it. Some psychic shit. Yeah. You're like, what? And I mean, obviously, you know, we, we both worked at Global Gym. So we saw a lot of, you know, standing on BOSU balls doing bicep curls and shit. And like, is there any, is there anything like that for you? Or are you much like me where like the BOSU ball is the thing that like, that like needs uh, to be integrated uh, or like that's yeah the both i mean the bosu ball by far is is number one for me i mean i'm sure there's some sort of like good application for it like somewhere maybe <laughs> that's your last option but um <laughs> no that's that's pretty much it i, I you know it's powerlifting is pretty basic when it comes to like obviously the movements and the equipment we use so it's like i don't think that there's anything on the bosu ball level i could be wrong i'm sure there. no nah, man I've, I've seen some real stupid shit uh oh man i forgot what it was called it was called like the the x bar 360 or some shit i don't know but basically it it showed it was this dude that was just juiced out of his mind and he he put 30 pounds of muscle on his frame because he he grabbed these resistance bands and pulled against it i don't know it was bad or the shake weight the shake weight's pretty <laughs> when that was shake around weight. man shake weight is legendary <laughs> dude when that was around so i went to my grandmother's house one day we, i think we were there for like an event or something or maybe like a holiday or just checking in and she's like oh i got a shake weight and I was, she's like old school puerto rican woman like love her to death like rest in peace and I was like, oh my God, like, what do you do with the shake weight? Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, have you, have you tried it? Did, it? did it work? Like, how do you feel? Like, tell me about it. Like, I, but it, I, it's just so, it's insane. Um, shake weight on a BOSU ball possibly could be. Hey, man. Hey, why the, the trainer's throwing it at the client? Yeah. yeah. That was the one that got me. I specifically remember when I looked back and there was like legit, like 70 year old standing on a BOSU ball while one of the trainers were throwing weights at him. And they were having to catch them. And I was like, what in the fuck is going on? So <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I've seen one other person do that. And his name is Alvin Kamara and he's the running back for the New Orleans Saints. Right. right. So he's standing into, so he's not, so he's standing one foot at a time on a BOSU ball. He's kind of, he's like at the maybe 10% into what a, what a single leg squat would look like or a pistol squat. Um, and his trainer is throwing these little like stress balls at him. So not, they're not even weighted. Right. Cause obviously, mm -hmm. Common sense tells you if you throw if you're throwing heavy shit around, that's gonna increase your injury risk. But like that's the only time where I might be able to say, okay, maybe for Alvin Kamara, he might get some kind of feedback from right. that situation going on. Because if you look at his day job, he's gonna yeah. be he's gonna be like, you know, bouncing all over the place, people are hitting from the side and things like that. So sure. um yeah, they they definitely take liberties with that thing. And it's like, dude, like we're not we're not here to kill people. Well, it's like, yeah, you, you have somebody that's like one of the best athletes in the world, like, and you do anything with them. You could, I don't know, what, whatever dumbass exercise that has no application to what they actually do. And it's going to seem like the greatest idea ever, just because it's like somebody like in my industry that like the powerlifting scene that um, like say you have a trash coach and I hate to be on the negative, but this happens. You have a trash coach, but they get this like genetic freak 
And but so this genetic freak is making crazy progress at what they're doing. And it's like this coach really thinks that they are just they are fucking on it and getting it. And it's like a two year old could write their program and this person would probably make progress. Yeah. So it's like the difference is like these. Yeah, just like the ego that they grow like, oh, like, but look at my lifter. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, it's it's cool, but it's like novelty cool. So when you guys, so as a powerlifting coach, right, when you go to meets and stuff like that with your clients, stuff like that, like, and we could talk a little bit more about that scene and events coming up and stuff like that that you're involved in. Uh, but like, do you guys have like that? Oh, this is our squad. Like, like almost like the the West Side Story, like where they're snapping and like there's beef constantly, or like like a little maybe like a little subtle competitive beef. Oh, there's like basically, are you saying are like other clicks? Like, or- t- like obviously you got like the team dynamic in there, and it's a competition and stuff like that. Like. And I'm more so and approaching in like more of a funny way than I am like, you know, a serious way as far as like, you know, considering. Um, I would say that like there's that, like, like, there's definitely friendly beefs, like, you know, but, you know, at the same time, I think with like, I don't know, I think with like Instagram and like they, it, it makes it seem a lot worse than what it actually is. But like, as far as like the competitions I've personally been to, I've never seen no like, like ill-mannered shit like yeah you know i'm sure it's happened you know and maybe one of my meets it's happened i don't know but i personally have never seen anything like that generally it's a pretty good atmosphere yeah so you got all right so i see the hoodie on right we got the noble performance hoodie right the mm-hmm. thing looks legit super funny right so back when i was working at a global gym right you you had already moved on i did see a couple of your clients like rocking the shirts and i was like oh shit i was like it's dope. like i like that the yeah. red you got the white lettering like, is that available for sale? I mean, or, yeah. Or is, but is that like, like a one of one for you? What's that? Is that like a one of one for you or is that like? No, I have some. I have some in stock. I don't I do not do a, a fantastic job of marketing and advertising. So it's like my clients know that I have them. So yeah. they'll hit me up. Um, so I see you posting a lot about uh, what's it called? The Rollywood Rumble. Like, what is that? And like, what's what's going on with that event? So that, so that was the one we did in the fall. Um, this one coming up, uh, uh, February 25th is called the Oak city open. Um, okay. USA powerlifting. Um, I think all of our lifters are raw this time, meaning there's no suits or, um, uh, and there's no wraps either. So, um, we have bucked up fitness and carry we're having, we have 84 plan lifters to be on two platforms. Um, we have a ton of sponsors, um, local and um, uh, a pretty big, so Pioneer Fitness or Pioneer Leather, um, they make belts. They're pretty big in the powerlifting world, but uh, they helped us out as well. Um, but yeah, man, we've, uh, that's coming up. We, we generally host two a year. The The Carolinas are huge for powerlifting. Carolinas and then Virginia. Like, we're, we have some strong-ass people here. Like, yeah. It's, it's wild. Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I mean, I think that just, like, I think more people are exposed to the sport here. Um, it's, like, so, like, Jen Thompson – shit i think she's won literally like 50 world titles um she's here natalie richards um she is 
if not the strongest drug tested female in the world. She's one of them right now. Same with Jen. Jen's probably like number. We probably have like in the in the female side, we probably have three or four of the top ten strongest females um, on the tested side, at least in the Carolinas. Wow, and then even like the the guys, I think we have the number two. I think Jamar's number two in his weight class um, in the world. And then, you know, we just have like, like they, they're, they're like so much farther above everybody else, but the people who are the tier below them are just freaks as well. It's just, there's like Jamar, for instance, is squatting damn near 800 pounds at, I think his last meet he did a hundred. He weighed in at uh, the, the 82.5 kilos weight class. So that's like a hundred and, 81.8 pounds squatting damn near 800 damn yeah it's it's weird <laughs> he's a he's a tank but i mean but like i said like it's even like the i hate to say just like local level lifters but they're just like the jamar jen natalie um celine down in uh south carolina uh they're just so much farther ahead of everybody else on the tier below them. But those people at the tier below are like, you know, they're, they're insane as well. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I, I, like, I I think it's just like people getting exposed to it. And then um, especially now, like, you know, with Instagram and all all the other social media platforms, you know, like people, like they want to feel like, a part of a community and then on top of that it's like you know for the people who want the the insta fame you know it's a way to get like possibly be insta famous so they they want to stick with it yeah there is also something to that old that old saying iron sharpens iron right yeah. so when you when you look oh, at yeah. the, the training partners your tribe your community anything like that like if you're around some bad motherfuckers you're going to be a bad motherfucker you know what i mean um if, you, if you're around people that get after it constantly like you're getting after it. Right. And that's in anything that's in life. That's in friendships, relationships, that's in powerlifting, bodybuilding, anything like that. You know what I mean? So, um, that I, I think that really takes in. that's actually, I'm glad you said something like that because I actually like, cause I generally just hate on social media cause I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a fan, but to something you just said though, like the iron sharpens iron, like, through like Instagram and stuff, you can keep up like with maybe somebody that you compete against, you know, and you can see like, Hey, or like your friends, like, Oh shit, they're out there grinding. Like, like I want to, somebody could be like, I want to take, wanted to take the day off, but I seen so-and-so like posts in the gym. And so like that, you know, it could be a motivating factor as well. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, and that's a, that's a good thing. Like let's talk about motivation, right? Motivation fades. Like we all, uh, as you know, experienced, you know, fitness professionals, we know that fades quicker than, you know, it starts out like, Oh my God. Yeah. I want this great goal. And you know, two weeks later that's gone. And it's just, you know, hopefully you built the habit quick or hopefully, you know, you've been able to discipline and like you built a plan that made sense for you. Right. As you were getting started and things like that. Um, but feeding off other people. Right. So like you see someone, you know, that you're competing with, or you see someone that, you know, you're running with or someone that like, you know, might be on stage at a bodybuilding show or something like that. You see them, like on a day where you don't feel like you don't have it, you're tired, it's been a long day, it's been a rough night, and then you see them like just getting after it. You're like, damn, I got to get after it too. Right? That yeah, I mean, and then 
I was talking about this last episode with my buddy Kevin, uh, who's an endurance runner, and we were talking about running in the snow. And one of the things that draws us to running in the snow is that most people won't run in the snow when it's snowing and when, it, when it's inclement weather, when it's cold and stuff like that, like that herd thins out real quick. Um, and there's something to that as far as like, you know, okay, we got this, I'm putting in work, I'm busting my ass and stuff like that. And, and that's all that, be, that needs to become a lot of where you get your motivation from. It doesn't need to be completely where you, where it comes from, you know, to keep you going, but on some bad days, you can definitely draw from that pool a little bit. Well, I think it's, um, for me personally, it's like a lot more satisfying when you do something that you don't want to do, you know, mm. or like, you know, motherfuckers aren't going to do. They're, yeah. they're not going to like, they're like, it's like, you know, um, I don't know. I like, I rarely, I don't personally feed off of like what other people are doing. I just like, for me, it's all about like maximizing me. Like that's literally all I care about when it comes to competition. I, I hope everybody the best, but I don't give a shit. Like, like I'm trying to do <laughs> as well as I possibly can, you know? Yeah. So there's just something to doing, you know, something that you, it's just like that feeling when after you've done something that you just don't want to do or that like other motherfuckers took the easy way out. And it's just like, you know, it's just like, I don't know. That shit drives me, man. Like It's yeah. just like, it's just, there's too many regular ass people out there that um, are okay with it. And that's fine if you are, but it's just like, that's just not for me. That's not who I am. And I really, a lot of people I associate is the same way. They're, you know, shit. Most of my friends are, they're all, they're in the powerlifting community. So it's just like, um, you know, not everybody's like that, but a good, good portion of the people are just like, yeah, like let's get after it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you got to have some dogs around you. Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm the same way. Like I, like I don't really care for my physique to be honest with you. I don't really care if I'm putting up max lifts, max lifts or anything like that. Um, you know, when I do like a Spartan race or something like that, like obviously I, I want to do well. And, and that's one of the things I strive for and things of that nature. I don't feed off of like other people like doing well and stuff like that. If that makes sense. Like I'm, a, I'm happy for everyone. Like if you went to the gym and you, and you went, to, if you just walked into the gym, I'm happy for you. If you took a mirror selfie in the gym, even if it, like, whether it looks great, whether it looks bad, like I'm happy for you. Cause again, that, that shit takes balls to kind of put that shit out there sometimes too. I do feed off like negative situations. I find a lot of like, uh, like a little ne when negative things happening happen and I'm doing something, oh, yeah. like I'll for find sure. a way to, to bring that shit into it and use it as fuel. Um, high fives and cheers don't really do much for me. I personally don't really celebrate anything myself, but like if there's fucked up things happening that affect me in a negative manner, I've, I've channeled that into being able to just use that as like a monster energy drink. Um, so it's, it's definitely very interesting how, how people perceive it, but yeah, some definitely good stuff that we covered. One thing that I wanted to talk about kind of as we wrap up here. Talk about a, a little bit about like where people can find you. I know we have uh, the, the event coming up in February. Like, is that still something you can register for if you're interested or like, how do people get a hold of you? Stuff like that. So I'm not active. Well, I'm not very active at all um, on my <laughs> social media. So I, 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 I try to get on there um, when I can, um, but it's just uh, my Insta my personal Instagram handle is quality control five, six, three. Um, and then my business is shit. I, I'd have to even look at that. I think it's 
noble performance powerlifting and then underscore on instagram i'm not active at all on facebook or i don't even i don't have a tiktok or anything like that but um do have a, a, a website that has been under under construction for like two years because it's just again priorities but uh it's just noblepperformanceplc.com um so as far as the event goes uh we sold out we sell we generally sell out within the first like week and a half two weeks so we were sold out in probably november um but like as far as competitors go um but um if you go to my instagram you can pre-order like spectator tickets um it's a it's a great time um you know if you've never been to a powerlifting meet it gets it gets pretty intense you know for for all lifters and we generally try to keep things as local as possible like with our sponsorships and um our volunteers and our the help we get um we have we're gonna have a live stream with commentating on it um the the two young ladies that are gonna be doing that are their local lifters um we have um, our MC for the meet. She uh, she's from here, moved to Virginia. Super awesome person. If you've never seen Ariel in a meet doing her thing on the on the mic, man, it's she's just like balls to the wall from the first lifter to the last lifter, from the mo- most weight on the bar to the least amount of weight on the bar. It doesn't matter. She's up there pumping you up and whatnot. Um, Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a, you know February twenty fifth, uh, bucked up. Um, it's we're we're looking to grow. You know, we came. I used to direct meets in Iowa before I came down, and then I talked to the state chairs here, which they've done a phenomenal job for running the the meets in the last couple of years. But they were a little happy when they they we reached out and we said uh, we we can host meets as well. And we we're very very thankful that they they said yeah because like we're like i said before we're just in a super awesome area for for powerlifting yeah that's awesome man well wish you the best of luck thanks for joining me tonight yeah yeah no doubt pretty glad to be on man um glad to see uh you're doing this and you're enjoying it so far so good uh definitely definitely a new skill but uh it's been enjoyable so we'll keep it man you get better as time goes (laughs) 